I'm already getting a good feel for our team. I, I really think we're going to be ready to play on Tuesday, and uh, we're going to be a hard team to play against. Ready or not, here we come. And there they went. The New England Revolution go from record breakers in the regular season to one and done in the playoffs. How it happened, why it happened, and who's to blame. El Tri has a new look on the field and off as the Mexican Federation gives its crest a major facelift for the first time in decades. Is the senior national team next in line for a refresh? Plus, LAFC is on the search for a new coach and the shortlist is full of familiar names. Could a former L3 manager be the right man to deliver trophies in Hollywood? Football America starts now. Welcome into the show alongside my good friend, Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Great to have you with us. Her, can you believe it? It is already the month of December 2021, the fastest year in recorded history. Let's go. Let's go, Seb. You know what that means? Finals time. Oh, I thought you were going to say it means we're having fun, and when you're having fun, Always. time flies. Of course, 2021 will go down in the history books as the year, Hercules, of Football Americas. And a lot to come on this edition of the show. We got uh, Julie Foudy joining us in just a little bit. We're going to talk about the U.S. women's national team and their two games down in Australia. Plus, in just a few seconds, minutes even, Carlos Salcedo, longtime member of the Mexican national team, now with Tigres, who are one step closer to that final in La Liga. In fact, let's start there in Mexico with the first Hercules, shall we say, of the two semifinals. Tigres and León, the first leg then of this one, played in El Volcán, where, by the way, the afición, the fans, just remarkable, an incredible atmosphere. 45th minute, Ángel Mena, whew, off the post for León, 56th minute. Rodolfo Cota, big save here, Herc. Yeah, big save for Rodolfo Cota. It's that type of game, 63% of the ball for Tigres, and it's that first one off the post, and that first one catching Nahuel Guzmán in the near post. I mean, Leon for doing very little up ahead early on. Jean Meneses there in the 57th minute puts Leon up. Tigres would respond with some pressure. Carlos Gonzalez almost scoring in the 70th, 78th minute. Look at this from Victor Davila, Herc. Yeah, another post. And now Guzman counting his lucky stars. Rodolfo Cota, he knows what this means. This means Tigres are still in it, and you cannot leave a team like Tigres in it because they will hurt you. Madness there in the uh, 85th minute. And in the 90th, Tigres, uh, yep, this is where they do, do the thing you just said. They hurt you, Florian Tauvan. La tijera, o media tijera, no? Flo! Florian Tauvan! Look at this, media tijera, it doesn't matter, a little scissor kick, it's a golazo, we're all tied up. Yeah, and you thought, all right, Tigres, they, they did the comeback. Oh no, they weren't done. They're never done, are they, really? Fifth minute of stoppage time, Carlos Gonzalez makes it 2-1. <laughs> Look, I don't care what people are saying, VAR, no VAR. This was bound to happen. You cannot give Tigres a second bite of that what apple. What about the they secret camera angle here? Is the that not offside? camera, come on, man. They <laughs> dominated this game. So Tigres then uh, win by a final score of 2-1. to one. They take that lead into the second leg away against Leon. That match to be played on Saturday for a spot in the Liga MX final. For more on the playoff run, let's welcome in one of the men that participated in that game last night. He played the full 90 minutes in the center of defense for Tigres, Carlos Salcedo, with us now on Football America. So walk us through the second half of that game, Carlos. What happens? Because you go down a goal and somehow, as Tigres always seem to do, you found the comeback. Yeah, hello. First of all, I just want to say thank you for the, for the invitation. And it was weird. It was a weird game because... You know, we, we were dominating the game. And the first, I think, 10 minutes of the game, they got they got that early goal. And and the good thing about our team is that we never, we never give up. We always stay focused. We we knew what the what the goal was. And, and I think we we did a great match. I think we had 30-something shots on goal. So I think, I think it was a... It's a clear, for us, it's, it's a clear score, you know, that, that we were looking for. 
And Carlos, before I ask you this question, I want to ask you a question about coaches. I want you really quickly, you're a center back, but you're a goal scorer. You're the reason why Tigres is in this round. Walk me through that goal versus Santos because it's not just any type of goal. You took that like a nine would take it off the right foot coming to the left, and then you banged it. Walk me through that. Uh, it was it was a play where like two minutes before uh, Miguel Herrera told me to go up and and he saw me, you know, in practice I was I was doing pretty good on the definition. And I saw Florian was there and the good thing is that he he was screaming at me, you know, he was like, Hey Carlos, Carlos So everyone went to to the left. They thought I was gonna pass it to him and then as you say, you know, I caught it, I put it into my left and then smashed that. So you talk about Miguel Herrera instructing you. You've now been coached by, my count, two of the best Mexican coaches, not just recently, but probably in its history, when you talk about what they've done, the experience and whatnot. What's the difference, biggest difference between a Miguel Herrera coaching you and a Tuca Ferretti? I think they're both pretty good. You know, numbers talk, and, and we know that. But I really learned from, I'm learning now from Miguel Herrera. But I also, I think you, you got the, the opportunity to have uh, Tuca Ferretti as well. And I think they're both such great uh, coaches. I always try to get the mentality of, of being, you know, like a, an sponge to try to absorb the, the best out of the, the coaches. And I think in this time uh, from Tuca, you know, I learned a lot of uh, defending stuff. And, and with Miguel, you know, I'm also learning that, but uh, I have a little bit of more freedom to to go to the attack, to, to get the ball and, and try to break those lines that sometimes, you know, coaches doesn't like that. So I think you know, each each coach has has a different type of view from from the game, and for me, it's it's just enjoy the game, enjoy the moment, trying to get the best out of it, and, and that's it. Of course, both of those managers have taken charge at one point or another of the Mexican national team. Carlos, you've been a stalwart with the with El Tri for a long time. Last with the team during the Gold Cup. Do you still feel a part of the Mexican national team setup right now? Yeah, I mean, why not? I started it since 2019. So at this point, you know, everyone is going to talk. Everyone is going to say, you know, I got fired. Uh, you know, I'm declining the calls. But no, it's, I know it's, it's football. I know I made a mistake. Uh, they know what they've done also. So I think we we talked already. We forgive each other. Uh, we move on, on on what's the the best and and for me to be honest uh, I'm chill right now I'm chill I'm I'm enjoying family you know I have that desire to go to another World Cup I think I've been doing good things with with my club but that's the only way I can I can talk you know it's inside the field and and just wait for the moment if it comes it comes if it doesn't then uh, it wasn't up to me, you know. What's up to me is, is to keep playing good, to, to get those numbers up, you know, like uh, what I did on, on Sunday night. Carlos, I'm sure you were keeping a close eye in the last round of Mexican national team games. They ended up playing the U.S. men's national team and Canada in that last round. They lost both don't games. Don't put me on that spot, huh? <laughs> no, no. Tell me, tell me what you saw. You don't. What did you see as a fan? What did you see as a player? Like, just your your initial thoughts about those two games. <laughs> well, for me, it's, it's tough always to see my buddies, you know, get those results. Because the last question you say, if I was, if I was feeling part of it, and to be honest, I do, and, and it hurts when, when that happened. But I think uh, new players, they, they have to, you know, or they're gonna get a, uh, that experience that, that sometimes this type of uh, qualifiers takes. So, for me, I think I just. You know, I, was, I wasn't pleased at all 
because that's that's when you start thinking as a player, oh, I should have done this, I, I should have done, you know, or have that issue. Uh, and at the end of the day, as we spoke, it was just an issue that it's going to happen, you know, inside the field and outside the field, you hug each other, you talk. But uh, right now, it was it was tough to watch those games to to watch my my teammates, you know, suffer because I think they do take advantage of of the the plays, but also, you know, we we didn't do enough to to deserve that that point, you know, against U.S. that it was probably the tie and and the win against Canada. I think. The last 10 minutes were really good, but it's going to take time to, to learn because people think now that if we play Canada, we have to beat them as before. And it's not like that, you know, everything changed. Uh, everything has an evolution and you can see it right now. You know, you can see it with Canada and they're dominating the, the zone. So I think uh, we have to also be a little bit more humble and also sit and see what they're doing that we're not doing, you know, and and I take it uh, uh, as that. Carlos, you've been all over in your career. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you actually started your professional career uh, in RSL, obviously had a, a great stint, RSL, a successful baby. one. There <laughs> you go. Right now. There you Fine go. Now. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, but, but, more to the point, really, something specifically that uh, Bioch Herrera said. He said, if there's any player in Mexico right now that's, that's ready for a return to Europe, it's you. It's Carlos Salcedo. Yeah. Um, do you feel ready for a return to Europe? Do you want to return to Europe? Is that something um, on your radar as you look at what's left of your career? Are you a, a witch or something? Because now <laughs> everyone is speculating that. <laughs> you know, sometimes I get scared. But... Uh, Right now, I'm just focused uh, in the semifinal. To be honest, uh, I only have one year left. Um, I'm having offers from from Europe, but I leave it that, or I leave that to my to my agent because I want to get focused on on my career, on on what's happening right now, and what's happening right now is. It's the same as you know that we have on on Saturday. After that, you know I don't I don't know what's my future gonna be. Carlos, so, really quickly. Uh, right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. I was just gonna say really quickly before we let you go. RSL, they win it at all? Mm. Yeah, I think so. There we go. There, <laughs> there we go, is. my man. That's the time. There <laughs> it is. The RSL Academy man backing his team to uh, to win MLS Cup. Carlos, man, thanks so much for the time. We hope to have you again soon here on Football Americas, and uh, good luck in what's left of Liguilla. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. See you guys. There he goes. Carlos Salcedo, defender for Tigres. Thanks, brother. And uh, we hope to see him soon back here thanks, on you. the show. Great get there from her. Dipping into that Rolodex. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's go to MLS. Wednesday night, last of the conference semis, New England Revolution and New York City FC. Herc, 
and what a story it was. New York City FC getting the goal there from Tati Castellanos in the 109th minute. New England roaring back through Tejan Buchanan in the 118th. This was madness. This is what uh, the MLS playoffs are truly supposed to be all about. This was literally like a, a kind of a carbon copy of what we just saw Santos versus, you know, uh, Leon. It was NYFC dominating and then all of a sudden, the Revs doing their thing and then penalty kicks the one miss to Adam Buxa. Yeah, New York City FC goes five for five from the spot. Alexander Collins there, the man with the fifth shot for New York City FC to finish it off. You're right, Adam Buxa was the only miss. His shot saved in the second round uh, by Sean Johnson. What a performance from New York City FC to go away from home. The Revolution are out despite that record setting 73 points. New York City, they're moving on to face the Philadelphia Union on Sunday in the Eastern Conference Finals. Here's Bruce Arena, post game from Gillette. Well, summarize the year. Excellent year. I summarize the year. We had an excellent year. Do you think the long layoff affected you guys at all? Possibly a little bit, but I, I certainly not an excuse. Even though you know you weren't able to win that most cup, do you still view the season as a successful club? I think any sensible, reasonable person would say that. If you, if you think otherwise, uh, I, I think you need to have your head examined. All right, Hercules Gomez, Bruce Arena says the Revolution season was a success. Do you agree? I do not need my head examined. It was a success. I mean, Seth, 73 points, a historic season for the New England mm. Revolution. Their bar was making it to MLS Cup. That's been their bar as a franchise. You look at their trophy case, there is the Supporter Shield now. Before that, there was an Open Cup. Before that, or I guess if you want to go besides the Open Cup, what do you want to go to the Superliga in 2008? Hey, they've got five runners-up medals in the MLS Cup. This is by far the crowning moment in the history of this franchise. So how is it not a failure when they go one and done in the playoffs? It's not. It's not because they won a trophy. They won a supporter shield, Seb. Oh, they had 23 days the supporter shield. How dare you? Yeah, yeah, because I won an MLS Cup. I've won multiple. I've won three. So the supporter shield doesn't mean too much to me. But Seb, look at this. 23 days off. You can't tell me it didn't. No, now you're getting into excuses. Team. Now you're getting into why it happened. The discussion here is whether it's a success. I just answered it. Or a failure. Now, now. Get your head examined. Tell me why it's not. <laughs> what is our saying here on the show? When facts change, opinions change, okay. right? Well, when facts change, expectations should change. Okay. So if you're going to go with the expectations from the beginning of the season, then yes, sure, 73 points, a new points record, being the number one overall seed, the supporter shield, that's a success for the New England Revolution and Bruce Arena. But when you are the number one seed by far and you have to win two games to have a home MLS Cup and you've scored 65 goals or okay. way more than anybody else in the league, you got to do more than go one and done. And it's not just the one and you done. You do right? because history it's, says that? It's the way it happened. They got outplayed. They got outshot. They got outpossessed. Did you not home. see this coming, Seb? Did you not? I did not see it Did you it not coming. pick New York no. to advance? No, that was I just didn't pick me? New York to it. No, you picked New York to advance. Oh, that was just me? Because 23 days off without any type of rhythm, why these teams are doing their thing, why mm -hmm. these teams get their games in, get their sharpness in, get those touches in, why were they dominating the center of the midfield? Why did they look sluggish? Why didn't their players perform? I mean, they played that bad, and they still got Carlos Hill to give them two assists, Buxa to give them a goal. They were still, honestly, if there's three more minutes in that game, they would have won it. Mm, but mm. to say that it's a failure, what they did, they reignited a dying fan base. Like, I cannot believe what they've done to that market, that zone. That's Bruce Arena and these men. That's what they've done. This fan base was nil, zilch, nada. Now, this is the type of performance, the type of season that reignites not only the fan base, but a project. And I'm talking about mm. a stadium. I don't see how this isn't a successful year for this franchise when you look at their trophy chest or a closet.
best team in the league laid an egg in the biggest game, Herc. It cannot possibly be a success. Let's they get were put into... behind the eight ball by MLS. Oh, pobrecito. So let's get into that. Let's get into the why. Why did this happen? Let's play a little version of the blame game. What happened to the New England Revolution? Were they outplayed? Were yes. they outcoached? Or were yes. they out of form? When was Bruce Arena's first sub? 90th minute. Oh, what? They look they look tired. They look sluggish. sluggish. They didn't look in rhythm. What and is, you're trying to tell me? I mean, Tejan Buchanan, besides the goal, what did he do? Okay. So, so this Carlos is just Heels, they're Carlos out of form. Heels, besides you just the say no. They, they, just, they can't play for three weeks. They, they don't know how to I'm generate telling that. You to fetch Why did players. Bruce Arena tell us that his team was ready then? Because what's you he heard gonna it say? at the beginning what's of the show. What's he gonna say? We're not He's ready. He's had a good feeling about it. What's his he team gonna being say? Ready? We're not ready. Mm. I mean, mm. Seb, you know the way this goes, and Seb, you more than anybody know how knows how. So you're not putting it is. any responsibility here on Bruce Arena. You're saying oh, this no, is 100% no, no. down oh, to MLS. Absolutely. MLS was, just, was unfair Seb, to the Revolution. Seb, I asked you when was the first substitution Bruce Arena made. Bruce Arena is one of the all-time winningest coaches. In this league, and I've been sitting here for the last two weeks, and you've been talking Bruce Arena up at the expense of Bob Bradley. That's all you've been doing. And now all of a sudden, you want to go after Bruce Arena. <laughs> Listen, you mentioned it. He doesn't make a sub to the 90th minute. That's a problem. It is. He's been outcoached. Now, usually when we say outcoached, we focus on the guy that got outcoached, the manager that got outcoached. But we should be talking about the other manager here. Ronnie Dyla, because on the show last week, I criticized New York City FC. I didn't think they would be able to go to Gillette Stadium and play as well as they did at Yankee Stadium. I definitely didn't think that they would outplay a New England Revolution team with four players in the Major League Atlanta. Soccer Best 11. You had them out against Atlanta. I did not think they would be able to do this, and they did. They were impressive, and Ronnie Dyla's a unicorn. There's a laundry list, Herc, a laundry list of foreign coaches that can't win in this league. Look oh, at what Ronnie Dyla's doing, false. and look at what he's I doing with New this. York City FC. I hate this. You need and MLX. At, you need to be an, an, an American coach to, to win this league. Come on. Nobody said that, Herc. You're connecting dots that don't exist. I'm saying he is unique. There are not a lot of foreigners okay. that have had success. Do you agree with that or not? I think it's all relevant because MLS keeps changing. As long as you... This know is less about Bruce Arena and more about Ronnie Dyla. That's the point. That's the point. Could he be. deserves a lot Absolutely. of credit. I think New York City deserves a lot of credit. That's why I had him beating Atlanta. That's why I had him beating the Revs. That's why I have him going to MLS Cup. Or maybe I had them before the Tati Castellanos red card. I'm not sure right now. But what I'm saying is thoroughly deserved. This team has some playmakers. They can hurt you. And honestly, if it's... Not because they play with nine men. I mean, Gray was out. He could not walk. He was literally out. If not yeah. because of that, if not because it went to that time right there, they would have been eliminated. But you get that 11 v 11, I fairly feel that they would have put it away. So you keep pointing to the fact that they're out of form, they're out of rhythm because they haven't played for these 23 days. There's some excuse making. Sure. It was a little bit what we heard from Bruce Arena in the postgame press conference. He said the single elimination for format Leads to early, makes early exits possible. Right. Right? Maybe he wants a Liga Mekis setup where the team at the top of the table goes if it's a tie at the end of 90 minutes or 120 minutes. Maybe he would have preferred that. What do you think? I mean, I'm sure the coach who's on the losing end would rather prefer that because it means that all you have to do is tie. Any coach would take that, not just Bruce Arena. I don't know if I would take that. Okay. I, I enjoyed the penalty kicks. I enjoyed the drama. And I'm pretty sure a lot of New England fans enjoyed what their team did, enjoyed that moment, and will be hungry for more next season. All right, time to debut a new segment here on Football Americas. It is Football versus Soccer. And let's warm up the fracaso alarm for this one, shall we? Because we got a couple of top seeds going down. So, Herc, which was the bigger fracaso? Club America or the New England Revolution? Club America. Oh, my God. Don't put New England in the same conversation as fracaso when you talk about Club America. Club America, quite frankly, and it's not even arguably, they're the biggest team in CONCACAF. The one with the most wins, the one with the most resources historically, the one with the best players, everything you could want. Two seasons, one year. What was the points, the total points for the New England Revolution in this uh, MLS season? The historic 73. MLS? Can I... Can I tell you how many points America put up in two seasons? 73. 73 points in two seasons, and one of those games was lost at the table because of an ineligible player who was on the sideline who never went in. So it should be 76. 
This team that only lost five times all calendar year. This team that their coach came from the Real Madrid setup, coached in La Liga, coached in, in Copa del Rey, coached in the Champions League and the Club World Cup. This team that is the biggest team in CONCACAF got bounced by a team of Pumas who came in 11th seed out of 12. Repechaje, a wildcard play-in. Out of 18 teams, 12 got in. They barely squeaked in and bounced them. And not only that, they bounced them in their own house, in front of their own people, in front of their own family. Mm. It's the biggest fracaso of all, America. If I had to make the case, Herc, for New England, I would say this. America did not have the regular season that the New England Revolution did. And you specifically... I just told you they did. And you specifically on this show were telling me week after week after week after week how weak America was. Right. So, so to some extent, and we saw say? America's failure coming. What did it you makes say? It a little bit less... Don't say we saw. Don't say we saw. I was in the sand. I was in Americanista mode, okay? I was, I was, I was full in. I was in believing. Um, America also does not have Herc. Four of the best 11 players in the league, as New England does. And they also don't have the best manager in the history of the league, as New England does. But oh let's be honest here. Let's be honest. God. Let's be honest. This can only be America. Okay. Uh, it, and I say this, and I say this from the heart. It can only be America because America lost to Pumas. And I'm sorry, but losing to Pumas hurts way more than losing to New York City FC hurts to some New England Revolution fan. There's no, nowhere near the history between the two. On top of the fact that Pumas, as you well mentioned, was the 11th seed uh, and America was the number one seed. The other thing here that makes it more shameful that America lost is that they lost over 180 minutes, Herc. Right? If you're New England, you can say, well, 90 minutes, it's a bit of a fluke. America had 180 minutes to prove that they were better than the 11th best team in Mexican football and couldn't do it. And here's the final point. And it hurts me to say this, huh? Pumas outplayed America far more clearly than New York City outplayed the New England Revolution. I think Ooh, New York City outplayed New England. That. I but don't know Pumas about that. But Pumas were miles better than America. No, miles better. That, that's a stretch. I think New, I think New England got... Outplayed thoroughly by New York ah, City come FC. On. They had a response at every time Tati they needed Castellanos one. Castellanos tries to bring the ball down in the six. It should have been honestly a four-one drumming at one point by New York City FC. Pumas played very How well. How you change things? How this do you is, change things? This is you where, just said if the game keeps playing, then New England wins. Of course, Seb. They're playing with nine players, and they were all over them in the last ten minutes. Seb, I will tell you this though. Yep. Mm -hmm. What strikes me as odd and and shameful for Americanistas is. Being an Americanista used to mean something. You used to play with an arrogance, a swagger, a style about you. You didn't worry about the opponent. The opponent worried about you. I saw Santiago Solari change the setup and go defensive, ultra defensive, because he's already pragmatic. Some would say respecting Pumas too much. I call it fearing them, and mm. they feared him for 180 minutes. Yeah, and this is a final word on the fracaso. Who's, who's the manager that's under pressure right now? No one's calling for Bruce Arena's job in right. New England. So if you want to know where the bigger fracaso is, of course it's in Mexico City, of course it's Club America, of course it's Santiago Solari. Speaking, Herc, of Club America, here come the refuerzos. Here comes the next big star. Jonah Dos Santos could be heading to Mexico and Club America. Um, reportedly, both Santiago Solari and Santiago Baños, the chairman, want Dos Santos with the club. Of course, he's been with the LA Galaxy since 2017. Club America, the club of Dos Santos late father Zizinho. Herc, he's 31 years old. Does Jonathan Dos Santos make Club America better? I don't even know if he starts on Club America, Seb. I mean, Richard Sanchez, Pedro Aquino, he's not mm. breaking up that duo. That, that's the heart, that's the motor of that team. So if they're both staying, and by all accounts, everything I've heard is they're staying. There are no offers for Richard Sanchez yet. I don't see Pedro Aquino going anywhere. Jonathan Santos is a luxury, luxury piece, and he's a, a very old 31-year-old at that. I mean, look at the last calendar year. He's only played 45 minutes with the Mexican national team, and he came out at halftime. They pulled mm. him mm. versus Panama at halftime. And then you talk about the Galaxy injury-prone season. He had his struggles, but Ravelosin pretty much took his spot. I mean, so much so that they deemed him not necessary as a DP anymore. He's no longer there. I don't know if he starts. And if he doesn't start, he's a luxury piece for Club America, much like his brother Gio Dos Santos was when he was there. And I don't know if they want to go back down that road. 
Yeah, I'm surprised. You would have thought that the Geo experiment, having gone the way that it did, might scare them off of Jana. Different players, different profiles, all that. I would say this from an America perspective. Uh, Jana Dos Santos was, what, on $2 million a year? Surely he wouldn't get that with Club America. Maybe he would. But if you had a $2 million a year bullet to use on this team, I would not use it in the center of midfield and certainly not in the defensive center of midfield. Not only are the players that you mentioned truly locks, I mean, yeah. really good players in the center of the yeah. park, maybe the best in the league. That's the strength of Club America if there is one. I agree. I, I would spend that money up top. I mean, you have three guys up top, none of whom truly convince you at this point if you're an America fan. Yeah. Not Roger. Not Henry Martin, not Federico Viñas. All those guys have had their moments. But if you have one big bullet to spend this winter, please don't make it Jonathan Santos. Herc, it has to be up top, doesn't it? it? it I agree 100% with you. It has to be up top because Henry Martin has never really proven to be that man. I mean, Roger has been trying to leave for the better part of a year and a half. Boca Juniors keeps on knocking. I don't know if they have the money quite yet. And Federico Viñas is rumored to go to Club Necaxa. So you really would bite the bullet and put it up top. That said, the last time they've been the bullet and spend millions up top was three million dollars a year in Nico Castillo and you know how that turned out. So the Galaxy look like they're headed for a rebuild. What about LAFC, Herc? They have some big decisions coming up. Let's start on the field, shall we? I picked up the short-term contract option on Carlos Vela, which will keep him in LA until next summer. So the bigger question, Herc, about his long-term future with LAFC is still unresolved. Uh, Herc, what would you do? Let's have you put on your GM hat here. Is Carlos Vela still worth a DP spot to LAFC? Well, the fact that it's half a season and then he's uh, then he could potentially be out pretty much tells me he's on trial. They want to see where he's at. And depending on how it's structured, they have to pick up that year or the next year. This is a tough one, Seth, because you're talking about a player who at one mm. point was the face of not just your franchise, but the league. $6.3 million, and the first season knocked it out the park, did very well. The second season, a historic season, 34 goals, 15 assists. But the following two seasons, he scores nine goals. Mm. He scored nine goals for you and played under 55% of the minutes available. It was injury after injury. If it wasn't that he didn't want to go to MLS's backs tournament, and you have to respect the decision because his wife was pregnant, it's first game back in March versus the Galaxy, an injury, a knee injury. Then he's not back, and when he does come back, it's too late. The next season, the very first game, that weird little, I don't know if he's injured kind of thing, mm -hmm. Bob Bradley takes him out, he gets angry, then we don't see him for two and a half months. And he comes back, he's so-so, then he gets injured again. Same quad, same problem, and it's like, what version of Carlos Vela are you going to get? Relatively still young. Relatively could be still productive in this league because when he's healthy, he's proven it. But nine goals, two seasons, yeah. that by no means merits $6.3 million and a DP spot. 19 starts in the last two years. He's 32 years old. So really, in his years since 30, there's been almost no productivity, Herc. Uh, there's two points to consider here for me. One, if you do give a designated player spark to Carlos Vela, you're taking it away from somebody else. And we've seen LAFC have success with that young DP mold, yeah. whether it's Diego Rossi selling him on. Brian Rodriguez, probably not the best example, though he, he could be sold. Arango uh, right now. Arango, Chicho Arango yeah. is a player who's come in young, exploded, and, and you can make money that way if you're LAFC. Whereas on a player like Carlos Vela, you're more likely going to lose money. But money is really the key here because it's what are Vela's other options, Herc. If you're LAFC and you can get Carlos Vela on a $1 million or $2 million DP, that's a different conversation than the $6.3 we're talking about right here. And I don't know that Carlos Vela is going to have a ton of other options. Do you think he will? Listen, there's a lot of rumors going around right now what Chivas is willing to spend and not spend, and Carlos Vela is the one name that keeps popping up and up all over again. We've also seen Ulises Davila and uh, Australia speak about wanting Carlos Vela there and maybe the Australian uh, league being a destination for Carlos Vela. That could be something, because Carlos Vela walks to the beat of his own drum. Carlos Vela mm. could go anywhere on earth. I don't know if he'd go back to Liga Mackey's. That's probably the one place I don't know. But Chivas could be an attractive option because they could have the money. But I'm with you. If you're a GM, like, this is one of the trickiest things to do because there is no current coach at LAFC. And there is no worse scenario for a coach to come in than have an aging superstar that you have to play. And you don't know if he's of your liking. Big decision when it comes to Carlos Vela. Big decision for LAFC, Herc when it comes to who's going to replace Bob Bradley. And we now have a potential 
a potential name, none other than former Mexican national team manager Juan Carlos Osorio will reportedly interview for the club's vacant head coaching job. He is currently at America de Cali um, in Colombia. Herc, what do you think of this possibility? Juan Carlos Osorio to LAFC, good idea or bad idea? It's a great idea for us. Got a lot to talk about. <laughs> Bring him on in. I don't know if this is a good idea for LAFC. LAFC likes to make a splash, but in a positive way. I don't know if this is the splash they're looking for. His name has certainly taken a hit over the years. The Mexican national team, it was drug through the mud there. Uh, Atletico de Cali right now, do you know what just happened a, a few weeks ago, almost a month ago? They tried storming the field to take his head. They were so upset with the results. It, the, it's fans, a, the, the fans, fans yes, the fans, the yeah. fans. It was a, one after the and other where he's like burning yeah. those bridges uh, with the fan bases, with, I guess, in general, just the team situations. I value him as a coach, and maybe his setup is best for a day-to-day -day instead of a national team job. But Juan Carlos Osorio right now seems like a bit of overkill with fans, and I don't know if that's the splash that LAFC is looking for. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? Of course, the, the thing he's most well-known for is being the, the manager of the Mexican national team. LAFC has obviously had success bringing in Carlos Vela, and, and that, that rang true with the Mexican fans, but Juan Carlos Osorio is not Carlos Vela, right? He's not a player. He, he had success with the Mexican national team, but he also had some deep, Relatively. dark moments. Relative, relative. It wasn't overwhelming success. It's not like Mexican national team fans are sitting around pining to see Juan Carlos Osorio in a technical area anytime soon uh, somewhere near them with LAFC. So I think it's uh, maybe a little bit much there. The other thing, though, I would say here is he does have a history of winning leagues. Like, if that's your, if that's your purpose, I mean, he's what won? Won four leagues, I think, in Colombia in, in the last 10 years. Uh, that's pretty impressive, Herc. If you can win league year after year after year in Colombia, as he did on three separate occasions, uh, that's a guy who I think it could translate to how, here. How'd what that did, work out in Liga Mekis or MLS? Uh, those are short stints, uh, and he had some success in MLS. He got to a, he's the only person to have ever gotten to Western. a Western Conference final with New York. So, as an um, Eastern, some, no, he's the Western Conference champion. With there's New some York. history there. Uh, real quick, though, what was he always criticized for with Mexico? Rotaciones. So, that's, and yes. isn't that exactly what you need in a salary cap league like MLS? Well, by the way, that's also what the majority of national teams do today. So maybe he was ahead of his time. That's it. I, I just, yes or no, all I want from you, you're an L3 fan. If you're an LAFC fan, do you want Juan Carlos Osorio? You, so you're not asking me, this is Sebastian Salazar, uh, host of Football Americas, who wants content. You're just straight up asking me as... Uh, no, I think, that, I think there's probably somebody else that could do okay. better. I, I, okay. And especially, I think, somebody who could resonate more with fans from Mexico, like Turco Mohamed, somebody like that who really has a, a, a following in Mexico for what they've done uh, in the Mexican League. We know Osorio's resume there is, is awfully thin. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Speaking of El Tri, the Mexican national team for the first time in... Jeez, sometime over, or the Mexican Federation, I should say, for the first time in over three decades, Herc, has updated, significantly updated their crest. And it is very much, I think it's safe to say, divided opinion among fans. Which is the new one? Ah, oh, there it is. Okay. So this is the new one with the explainers. Uh, if you get into some of these explainers, man, it feels like they were almost entirely inspired by the 80s, right? There's a lot of like 80s, 70s. Well, 70s, uh, Very yeah. retro, very retro vibes to uh, what Mexico has done here. So dripping or tripping, Herc, turn your artistic eye to this. What do you think of Mexico's new crest? I like it. I honestly yeah. like it. I think it's nice. I don't... This is the thing, man. Mexican Mexican national team fans will find anything and everything to complain about. Look at you. Ew. Like everything. Like, it's a slick looking crest. What is wrong with this, Seb? You tell me you're the fan. What is right? What don't you like about this crest, Mr. Salazar? Hated it. Why? Oh, it's just so cheesy. It's so hokey. It looks like something's gonna be uh, in like a, in a rave session, like glow in the dark. 
Uh, I like the the so-called, you know, the Aztec calendar was kind of a feature in, in the one for, for 30 years. It's the one that I've that I very much uh, have okay. grown up with. So no, I, I don't like it. It's gonna take me quite a long time to get used to this. The funny thing though is, Herc, um, when you release a new crest, it's all about timing. So if the team's flying, right. then the crest, people are gonna love the crest. When the team is not flying, <laughs> the check your mentions are gonna look like this. Uh, what is this, Pokemon, uh, Pikachu? What, what do we got here? You know Pokemon. this stuff, you got kids. Uh, yeah, it's Pikachu, Poke it's not Pikachu, but Pikachu and Pokemon are the same thing, yes. Okay, oh, how about oh, this? Oh, uh, they, the, now, no, they USMNT Twitter, I gotta give them credit. They came hard they for the logo. Yeah, oh, they went uh, two-footed. Oh, that one's Roja Directa, USMNT Twitter, man. They are mm. uh, very creative there. Here's another one, Dos Acero. Yeah. And this is why, if you're the Mexican Federation, you can't release this in a bad time because you're just you giving all this ammo to the to the opposition and their fans. Talk and you know, but you know the U.S. fans are going to be on top of it. Remember, what goes around comes around, so be ready for it, my friends. Oh, what is this? Okay, we got a little uh, Spurs Liverpool in there as well. That and is then, a Tesla. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is actually the Telstar, isn't it? Is it the? Uh... Is that what it's called, Telstar, or is it Tesla? No, uh, I think you're com you're confusing words. Telstar, I think, was the name of the ball. Teflon is something that uh, is bulletproof. I didn't say Teflon. It's a Tesla. <laughs> Like the car Science Tesla. lesson here on Football America. Uh, let's do a history lesson now, Herc. We're looking at all of the Mexican crests over the years. Which is your favorite? I like the original 1930-1958 one. I think that looks slick. Uh, and if it's not that, I like the current one. I think the current one is the best. Really? The other ones look cheesy to me, man. Oh, the other no. ones look cheesy to me. Cheesy? How? What do you mean cheesy? Like as With in, the eagle as in queso, on top of the Aztec in... calendar. No, no, no. That's disrespectful. Cheese. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, the old ones are beautiful, huh? I like the old simple ones. Those are... It looks great. Like, picture that crest on just a plain green shirt, like right here. I think it looked dope. And honestly, I think that would look better than the new one, don't you? Sure. Come on, bro. Come on. <laughs> Keep it simple. Keep it simple. All right. Uh, enough of the crest. Marcelo Flores. Speaking of refreshes, upgrades, renewals, the 18-year-old plays for Arsenal's youth teams has been called into Mexico's senior squad for the game against Chile in Austin next week. Arsenal have given the official okay on social media, so it is all steam ahead on the Marcelo Flores hype train. Uh, a young man, of course, we know could have represented either Canada or still England, can. born in Canada. Still can. St still can. So let's do some percentages here, Herc. Uh, what kind of shot do you give Marcelo Flores to actually make the World Cup squad for Qatar 2022? That's difficult because while I have seen him play at a youth level, I've never seen him play top flight football. In fact, nobody has. Do you know why? He's never he played top-flight football. So when you're talking about prospects like this, it's very difficult. What I can say is he's following in the footsteps of some pretty big names. Look at this. Made their Mexico debut before a first senior club appearance. Only Giovanni Dos Santos, one of the greatest Mexican national team players to ever play. Carlos Vela, one of the most talented to ever play. And Jonah Dos Santos, one of the most constant. Those are pretty good footsteps to follow. So if you're following in those footsteps, I could only imagine you are talented. But even Jonah Dos Santos didn't make his first World Cup. Remember that. And the timing there is interesting because both Gio and Carlos Vela debut in 2007. So they had three years to make that 2010 World Cup team, which they both did. If you remember, Jonah Dos Santos was one of the last players left off of the 2010, 2010 World Cup squad. So the fact that he debuted in 2009 makes me think it may not be enough time here for Marcelo Flores. Yeah. If there was two or three years, I'd say, yeah, Flores definitely has a shot, but we're looking at, at less than 12 months, Her. Let, let me for a second play devil's advocate with you and ask you, you if Sebastián Córdoba already has a leg up with him and he's, he's irreplaceable in your eyes. Marcelo Flores cannot take Córdoba's spot. No, 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 no. Córdoba's not the same player he was six months ago. Okay, what about Orbelín Pineda? No, come on, come on. Orbelín Pineda's way ahead of Marcelo no, Flores. No, no, but, no, but he's irreplaceable, is what I'm saying. What I'm telling I, you is I, in no, that no, position, all I'm, all I'm saying, Seb, is in that position, it's not too far-fetched to think that he can't all of a sudden go on a run yes. and in a year make it. Yes, yeah, no one in that position is, pro is untouchable. I understand what you're saying. And it's a position, 
of potential need, right? Like if Diego Linus becomes a superstar in the next 12 months, <laughs> maybe the need for Florida. <laughs> what? Don't you laugh. Don't you, what did you say? Don't what you, you say? laugh at that. You're sick. Don't you do it to me. Don't you do it to me. Oh, you're getting me itchy. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's run it back because we have some, some golazos from the European theater. Uh, and we'll start with the aforementioned Diego Linus. Herc, where's your, where's your Twitter account now? Day since Linus scored. I know they're going to say league, but whatever. Look at this just golazo that he rips in in the Copa del Rey. That's funny you mentioned that because the official count was 713 days from the last official competition goal to this goal versus, wait for it, a team that plays in the Spanish sixth division. But it's a good goal. Get him when it count. Was, was he maybe offside there a little bit too? Hey, I don't know. Give it to him. No, no VAR maybe at that uh, level of the Copa del Rey. All right, to the Swiss Super League. Jordan Peefock, his seventh goal of the season. Herc, it comes from the penalty spot, but he's still rolling. Go ahead, Peefock. That's, it doesn't matter how you score, it's how many. Remember, as a nine, doesn't matter how, it's how many. Keep that mantra, you're gonna have a job for a very long time. Jordan Peefock, hammering it home for young boys in the Swiss League. Time now for our next edition of Football versus Soccer. And let's keep the focus on those two players, Jordan Peefock and Diego Linus. What a beautiful logo. Which player does their respective national team need more for the upcoming January window? I can't believe I'm going to say this. But it's Diego Linus. Who you were just mocking. I, I was not mocking him. I was stating facts. It was 713 days since his last goal, and he scored against a team from the Spanish 6th Division. Those are facts. I'm not mocking him, okay? But if you look at the type of player that he is, and this is why I think Marcelo Flores could potentially make a run, there's nobody with his skill set. And I'm talking about coming off the bench. I'm talking about being that game changer, sparking the team, making something out of nothing. A half space, I hate that term half space. I'm sorry, I should never say that. Don't ever say half space. <laughs> what a is a half space? space? I don't know what a half space is. Who says that? All you need is an inch, okay? And he makes you pay. Tim Ream is still having nightmares about this man. He's the type of player you need. I don't care what his club form is. I don't care how little he's played for Betis or what he's not done for Betis. When he puts on that, that Mexican national team jersey, when he puts on that full team jersey, he is transformed. And this is as of late, and that's what you want. That's what you want. What have you done for me lately? But he's not gotten that opportunity with Tata Martino. I fully think they need a player of this capability as a change of place player. No way that you would say Mexico doesn't need Diego Linus. I'm not going to try and argue that. They definitely need him. But I probably see him, at least in this January window, Herc, is more of a sub role than probably starter. Whereas Jordan Peefock could very well be a starter if we considered all the other number nines in the U.S. men's national team pool, their current rate of production, and the fact that all the guys who are in MLS won't be playing leading up to those January call-ups. So if Jordan Peefock can keep this hot streak, we're talking about a potential starter at the number nine. That is a huge position of need, concern, value for the U.S. men's national team. Peefock is hugely critical to the U.S. right now, isn't he? I'm trying to think, because I, I knew you would bring up him being a starter. When's the last time we've seen him start for the U.S. men's national team? When has Greg Berhalter trusted him as his starting nine? That's a fair point, Herc, but Greg Berhalter has also shown that he's willing to switch up his starting nines and start guys who he's never started before in the case of Ricardo Pepe. Yeah, that was necessity. That was grasping that There's straws. not necessity now? I don't know. If you've got Ricardo Pepe who hasn't scored well, in X games and hasn't you played and I, in X You months, and I may agree, because like New England Revolution coming off after such a slow... Long layoff can't affect you. You and I agree that could be, maybe there could be some, maybe some ring rust. I don't know if Greg Berhalter sees it that way. I think he's in his mind thinking, I'm not trying to speak for the man, but I have a January camp. He's going to have a game. I can get him ready, see where he's at, and yeah, he'll be my nine. I think he's thinking that in his head. Jordan Peefock, Diego Linus, two guys who could play huge roles uh, for their respective teams in just over a month's time. All right, one more edition of Run It Back. A beautiful assist here from Tim Weah, his fourth of the season for Lille. How about that, Herc? He was a menace all game. That touch right there to set up the pass is crucial. Good first touch at speed. No chance for the defender. Nice little easy finish. Timothy Weah creating that all by himself. Yeah, beautiful first touch, huh? You got nice that touch in your man. locker? 
No, 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 no. That's why I've been uh, hosting shows uh, and not doing your job for the last few years. Yunus Musa. Oh, let's see how you feel about Copa del Rey performances now. Yunus Musa with a goal and an assist for Valencia. I will say it's good that he got an assist, but the dummy on this play is better than the actual assist. Look at the dummy. That's the actual play right there. That's what it is. Yunus Musa was good, though. He's, you know what? People are going to jump on me for this, but he reminds me of, he scores a goal right here on the rebound. But the way he drives the ball, how strong he is with it, reminds me of a Darlington Nagby. Mm. The Val good offensive Darlington Nagby. But he's got a little bite to him. Valencia's opponent, what tier were they in? Six. Oh, no, no, we're not, okay, okay. Uh, Edson Alvarez then with his uh, first assist of the league season for Ajax. I mean, we're handing out assists awfully generously on Football Americas, huh? Wow. It's an assist, whatever. It's still the best defensive midfielder in all of CONCACAF. Repartiendo queso. Look at that. Yeah. Cootery board. Is that what it's called? Cootery board? I don't know, bro. <laughs> you asking the wrong guy. Called? I don't even know what you just said. Cootery <laughs> <laughs> board. All right, so things going well for Edson Alvarez. They are not going well for JJ Macias. He finally gets a start in the Copa del Rey for Getafe, and he gets injured after just 25 minutes. More frustration, Herc. Yeah, I I'm hoping it's not that same injury he had uh, that took him out pretty much all of the pre-qualifying tournament in Guadalajara. Talented player, he's got some injury problems. He needs a change of scenery again, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't look like the move from Chivas to Getafe was the, was the right one. His European adventure not off to a great start. JJ Macias then off injured. In the Copa del Rey, speaking of injuries, Gio Reyna, he's back training with Dortmund. Good news for the U.S., good news for Dortmund, good news for Gio Reyna. 91 days ago, count him, 91 days ago, he was injured versus El Salvador. He is finally back. There is no player in my eyes, no, no U.S. men's national team player with a higher ceiling than Giovanni Reyna. He will break Christian Pulisic's transfer record one day, I think. He's got that high of a ceiling, but he needs to be healthy. He needs to be back. Yeah, talking about people that the U.S. could use in that January window. Gio Reyna uh, right at the top of that list with Jordan Pifak. We got that Classico Saturday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, exclusively, Herc, on ESPN. Plus, our coverage begins at noon. It's Borussia Dortmund against Bayern Munich right here on ESPN+. Plus. Do not miss it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Then Williams heads it forward. A chance here. Hats and hats. Here's Kerr firing. Saved by Murphy. Nevin. And a goal. Towards Kerr, Kaya Simon, deflection! Australia equalize! This was such a good experience for us, and um, hopefully we'll be back in 2023. The U.S. women's national team then go unbeaten on their recent trip to Australia. First a 3-0 win in Sydney, and then a 1-1 draw in Newcastle, one that Julian Foudy and I were lucky enough to call here on ESPN. She joins us now on Football Americas. Aside from the fact, Julie, that caffeine works because that game kicked <laughs> off at 4 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the Americans' trip to Australia? 
the youth, the excitement of the youth. And I think in particular, I mean, it was such a good result to get that first 3-0. They were unlucky, I thought, to, to give that late goal on the deflection, as you just saw. But in particular, uh, Casey Murphy in goal. Holy cow. We knew she was good. We've seen how good she is in the NWSL. We've seen how good she is on the youth national teams. But that was a different level. So um, that was an impressive two-game performance by Casey Murphy, her first two caps for the U.S. full women's, women's national team. And I also thought Emily Fox did really well in that outside back position on the left side. I get forward. Uh, she loves to attack aggressively. Ashley Hatch is another one. The two early goals um, that gets him off on the right foot. But I really think Casey Murphy was the one you walked away from in that occasion and went, wow, that's a player uh, that's going to have some longevity with the U.S. team. I mean, so many huge names out. I'm looking at it right now. No Press, no Alex Morgan, no Rapino, no Tobin Heath. Uh, you already mentioned if you have taken advantage of this. Did you expect the youth to take advantage with all these veterans out? Uh, I figured, because they had no time together on top of that, Herc. They had a day and a half of training True. in Australia. They haven't played together, hardly any of them. Um, they all come from different systems, from different, uh, you know, uh, teams all over. And so I thought that it would take a little bit longer. I was surprised with that 3-0 victory, to be honest. Um, I don't think Australia was clearly at its best, but they did play a very strong lineup for Australia. They were missing their two veteran center backs, which I think hurt them. Um, but that was a good lineup. And to hold Sam Kerr as they did, they had Caitlin Ford up top. Kaya Simon gets that deflection at the end, but really pretty quiet. I mean, that's a good result for a very young squad, to your point, um, to walk away with a big win and an unlucky tie in the end. I think Blacko's going to be thrilled with that younger group. Julie, we always like to pay attention to our viewers here on Football Americas. And one of our viewers on Twitter uh, sent in this question. Felix Jr. asked, does the U.S. women's national team have a goalkeeping controversy? And it's interesting because you <laughs> just mentioned Casey Murphy. She had an incredible performance in that first game, yeah. right? Eight saves in the 3-0 win over Australia. But Felix, I mean, he throws in A.D. French, who we saw in Kansas City. He throws in Aubrey Bledsoe. We know the NWSL final MVP. He throws in Alyssa Nair, of course, the incumbent. Uh, so, Julie, what do you think? Is there a controversy when it comes to who will be the number one goalie for the U.S. moving forward? Uh, I would tell Felix, I think controversy is a bit aggressive of an award. I would use that we have some healthy competition, for sure. I think Alyssa Nair is coming off an injury, as he was mentioning some of those other backup goalkeepers that we've seen, Jane Campbell, A.D. French. But that was a performance by Casey Murphy that makes you stop and go, oh, one, she was great. You know, upper corner, down low, as we saw. She was also very good coming off her line in the air. I mean, we haven't had a, a goalkeeper over six feet tall ever between the posts. So that's but one, she brings a totally different element to the game that we haven't had before. So I would say that definitely heats up that healthy competition. But it is not a controversy. Anytime you have a lot of good goalkeepers vying for a spot, that's a good problem to have. That, that is a definitely a good problem. Let's talk a little Angel City. Angel City FC acquired the rights to the U.S. Women's National Team player, Julie Ertz. Now with Kristen Press. You guys got a nice little thing going on right now. So That's put right. your owner's hat on for me right now. What are the expectations going into year one? Well, the expectations are is you can get players like Ertz. I mean, we, we got the rights to Ertz. Let's hope that she wants to come play for Angel City. I think that's a, the next step, of course. Um, Sarah Gordon, that's a that's a big one as well. That, you know, was the Iron Woman for Chicago Red Stars last season. There's Ertz with some of her injury issues she had, but we know what Julie Ertz can bring. And we also know, having watched Sarah Gordon, who played every single minute of the 2021 season for Chicago Red Stars, what she brings to that back line. And so you had Press, you have Ertz, you have Gordon up your spine. That's three really good players for Angel City, um, all because some of these teams want to protect the rest of their group in this expansion draft. Yeah, truly is hot stove season across the NWSL. We got Sam Mewis. She's moving to the KC Current. A report today from Meg Linehan in The Athletic. Both uh, Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger look like they're going to move yep. to Gotham uh, FC. So exciting times in the National Women's Soccer League. Julie Fowdy will be with us throughout the winter here on Football Americas to keep tabs on everything. Julie, as always, thanks for the time. Great to have you with us. See you guys. Thanks, Julie.
All right, Herc, let's turn our attention back to the MLS playoffs. Time for another edition of Book It here on Football Americas, where we do our best to try and make the folks at home some money. All right, you've been assigned the Western Conference Final. I've been assigned the Eastern Conference Final. Where are you going with your money? I found this prop bet that pays plus 300 if Damir Krylik. Famous Krylik, last words, I found this yes. prop bet. <laughs> has two or more shots on target. We're talking about a guy who had 16 goals, nine assists, mm. and plays everywhere on the field. No matter where he plays on the field, he's an absolute threat. And out of all the top attackers that are still left in Major League Soccer's conference finals, the East and West, he's the one that's hit the target the most out of any of them. It's verified. I checked it 40 times already at plus 300. I will take this a little nugget. By the way, RSL right now doesn't have to play against Sebastián Blanco or Dairon mm. Aspria. I kind of see a little RSL explosion. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they're going to go out with a fight. And Damir Krylik, he's going to get those two shots. Take it to the bank. El Principe del Prop Bet. I remember, Hercules, you digging up a Christian Pulisic over one and a half fouls wow. prop in Champions League a few months ago on this show. And you nailed it. This this smells like that one. Like it's almost too good to be true. Uh, two or more shots I'm on target. I'm bet myself. Actually. Paying off at plus 300 for Demir Krylak in the Western Conference Finals. Okay, so um, by the way, you, you said they weren't going to win. RSL at plus 290. No, no, no. I didn't say they weren't going to win. Okay. Do you like that bet? Do you like the plus 290? I, I for do RSL? like. Yeah. Is that regular? That's regular time. Regular yes, 90 yeah. minutes. I like that bet a lot. Um, but these playoffs have shown us that. Uh, Pick him to advance, but you want to take the good bet. It's still a good bet. I don't know what Vegas is thinking. They, they don't realize Sebastián Blanco and Dairon Espria are not going to be part of this game, and they've got RSL as huge dogs. I don't yep. see it that way. Timbers minus 105. All right, let's get to the Eastern Conference then, Herc. And I'm going parlay here, okay? Ooh. So a tie over 90 minutes and under two and a half goals. This is a final for me, so I just think it's going to be a cagey affair. I think both these teams are going to be very conservative, especially New York City FC with all the effort they put into this New England victory. I think they're going to hang back and really try and play for a 0-0. On top of that, Herc, no Tati Castellanos as he picks up a red card. So there go uh, a big chance for a lot of your goals in this game for New York City FC. So I'm taking the tie in the under, which is part of a parlay, pays out there plus 360. Herc, what do you think? I like it. You got to think that both teams are going to be really tired, mm -hmm. depleted physically. Both teams have played a lot of time and extra time. Uh, those are some tired bodies, penalty kick shootouts. Uh, one team is missing its leading goal scorer. The other team is ultra defensive, and their leading goal scorers aren't really of the caliber, I should say, numbers wise. This is a Tati Castellanos. I could easily see this going under, maybe a 0 0 1 1, mm -hmm. and going into that overtime for sure. New York City FC, Philadelphia. That'll be the Eastern Conference Final. And Herc, as you know, that will be available on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and of course, streaming live on the ESPN app, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific. It's the Eastern Conference Final for a spot in MLS Cup, Philadelphia Union, and New York City FC. Herc, I don't know if you saw this today. MLS has released their best 11 for 2021. Walker Zimmerman, Miles Robinson, Yamar Gomez there across the back in front of Matt Turner. We got Hani Mukhtar and Carles Gil, Joao Paulo, Tati Castellanos, Tejan Buchanan in midfield. Interesting how we've drawn this into a 3-2-3-2. Yeah. Uh, and Gustavo Bo and Raul Ruiz Diaz up top. Uh, Herc, what do you think of this 11? Are you cool with it? Hell no. I'm not cool with it. You, first of all, they can put Joao Paulo not enough in a more in advanced position because Carlos here like this. So uh, apart from the three center backs or defenders, which are mandatory and the goalkeeper, everything else is offensive players. Like Joao Paulo's there because those who really know the game know they should be there, okay? But the rest of them, like, are you going to tell me Tejan Buchanan and his eight goals, five assists should be there? How do you, as a league have a finalist for the MVP and Dan, Daniel Shallowy, okay? Mm. Be a finalist for the MVP and not make it into the best 11. This man scored 16 goals and eight assists in the regular season. He was a finalist. You voted him one of the most valuable players in this league, but he can't get into this 11, mm. into your best 11. It blows my mind. Like what, where, donde, como, how? You know what I think? 
I think Tejon Buchanan's about to be sold. So having a best 11 no, 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 on his no. name. He's already sold. There you go. So having He's a best sold. 11. Best 11 helps you, helps you for your marketing there. Oh Daniel Shalloway's not about to be sold. Oh, man. Uh, what about the goalkeeper position? Because you've been very anti-Matt Turner. You, I've not been anti-Matt Turner. I've been statistics. You've been very anti-Matt Turner as far as goalie of the year. He finds himself here in the MLS best 11. Who would you have replace him? Andre Blake. Joe Willis. William Yarbrough. All three the goalkeeper had a better for season the than goalkeeper Matt Turner. The goalkeeper for the Red Bulls. I forgot his name. Uh, he, he could be there. Look. <laughs> he had five shutouts. On the best team that MLS has ever seen in its history. He had five shutouts, okay? Mm. His backup played six games, had three shutouts, two less shutouts. What other numbers do you want? Like, you played on the best possible team in the history of this game in this league, and you only have five shutouts. Andre Blake is a madman. Maybe he didn't deserve it last year, and Matt Turner deserved it last year, but you don't say, well, let's give it to him this year. U.S. Men's National Team bias is something else. Like, don't give it to Is it U.S. Men's National Team bias or is it New England Revolution awesome regular season bias? Because he's got three other New England Revolution teammates in this best 11. Adam Buchs is not there, which is surprising to me. That's neither here nor there. No, I think this is U.S. Men's National Team. Much like Ricardo Pepe, you can make a case for Tejan Buchanan to be the young player. I mean, Tejan Buchanan can get into the best 11, but he's not the best young player in the league, you know, within the parameters of said league. So it's it's backwards. Like sometimes we do this when we read, like when it comes to Major League Soccer. It's not MLS, it's MSL. Okay, all right. So uh, lots to discuss, lots to complain about when it comes to a best 11. Well then, you can only imagine when they do a list that's 100 deep, right, Herc? ESPN FC has come out with its top 100. Uh, and that'll be the subject of our parting shot here on Football Americas. And what we're hearing in this top 100, Herc, is there's only two CONCACAF players in the entire 100. Alfonso Davies, of course, of Canada, and Keylor Navas of Costa Rica. Both of those guys in the top 10 as well. Wow, so only two no, in the top. No, 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 no. no, no top no. 10 in their positions. Top, top 10 in their, in their position. positions, right. Second best left back for Davies, 10th best goalie there for Keylor Navas. 10th best uh, goalie. Okay. So what do you think? Are you cool with it, Herc? Only two CONCACAF players in ESPN FC's top 100? I am cool with it. Let me tell you why. Let Get me tell off the you show. Why. No, you're fired. You're out. Let me tell you I'm why. I'm going to find it's a more CONCACAF-friendly host like Craig Burley. players in general. You're going to go top 10 left backs, top 10 goalkeepers, top 10 right backs. None of those 30 or all of those 30 would not make it into a top 100 if you did the rankings of 100 players. Maybe then you would get... Somebody besides Alfonso Davies and Kaylor Navas who would obviously be there. You would get a Christian Pulisic. You might get a Diego. Is Pulisic in the no. top 100 players in the world? Yeah, I think Pulisic would be in the top 100 players in the world. But he's not going to be in the top 10 players in his position is what I'm saying. What about any Mexican players? If, Edson, let me, Edson, let me, Edson, Edson may be there, yes. Is he the one that you, admit, that you have has the strongest case right now? Yeah. Wow. How quickly things change. Huh? Six months ago, we would have said Chucky. Twelve months ago, we would have said Raul, and we probably would have had pretty good cases with both. Now, you wouldn't even say either, right? What if we just do our own ranking? There <laughs> you go. You know what? We do have some holiday shows coming up. We'll talk to the production team. Maybe we'll do our own top ten of CONCACAF players since the ESPN FC crew has clearly disrespected an entire confederation. Well, we can't do the top ten DC United championships, so might as well do that. Ah, uh, we could actually we could because DC United one of the few clubs in MLS with double digit trophies in their trophy case. Herc, if you knew anything about the history of American championships, soccer, you would not have made that comment. Finals, no, no. not uh, trophies. You, uh, you don't listen to me. This is your problem. What do you, you want them to have? Listen. Double digit MLS cups? Absurdity! Trophy. My yes. God. All right, Finals, we'll be back uh, next cups, week. MLS Plenty cups. coming. Super we got Liga, the MLS Concord playoffs Champions League. and all the tournaments that Herc's mentioning. I'm sure we'll cover them as well.